Who has a hardened heart? Mark chapter 3 verses 1 to 6 And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. For whom is the Sabbath day instituted? It's written in today's scripture passage, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Mark chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. Prior to this event, Jesus' disciples had once plucked some heads of grain and eaten them while passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. So the Pharisees had criticised Jesus' disciples over this issue. Jesus had then told the Pharisees that the Sabbath day was instituted for man, saying to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him? Mark chapter 2 verse 25 to 26. The Pharisees were more interested in keeping the Sabbath day literally than its spiritual implication. So they watched Jesus closely to see if he would heal the man who had a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And just as they expected, Jesus indeed told the man with a withered hand to step forward and stand in the middle. When the Jews gathered around in a synagogue, they often sat in a circle to discuss some issues or break bread together. It was right in the middle of such a gathering that Jesus had told the man with a withered hand to stand. Jesus then asked the Pharisees, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Mark chapter 3 verse 4. He then healed the man's hand. This man's hand was so withered that he was unable to even stretch it out, but when he stretched it out to Jesus, the Lord restored it fully. In the Pharisees' eyes, this looked like Jesus was breaking God's law intentionally. So they wondered why on earth Jesus felt so compelled to heal the man on the Sabbath day when he could have just waited another day before healing the man since the Sabbath lasted only a day from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Mark chapter 3 verse 4. When you hate someone, you detest everything that this person does. Likewise, the Pharisees hated everything that Jesus did because they already harboured a deep-seated hatred of Jesus in their hearts. 
why Jesus worked on the Sabbath day, even though he knew that this would offend the Pharisees. Why did Jesus heal that man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day, even as he knew that the Pharisees detested anyone breaking the Sabbath? He did this to teach us an important lesson. This problem had arisen earlier, when Jesus' disciples had plucked and eaten some heads of grain on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees had rebuked them for this, asking them derisively if they didn't know that they weren't supposed to do such a thing on the Sabbath day. As mentioned already, this is what Jesus had said in reply to the Pharisees back then. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him? Mark chapter 2 verse 25 to 26. In the Pharisees' sight, Jesus and his disciples looked like offenders of the law, and so the Pharisees despised them. What about today's Christians living in this age and time? We see that they too hate and despise the gospel of the water and the spirit. Even though Jesus had come to this earth to save the entire human race from all its sins, these Christian sinners have rejected him. The Lord had given the gospel of the water and the spirit to his disciples and commanded them to spread it all over the world. But today, those who spread this gospel are being obstructed by spiritual Pharisees. Just as the Pharisees here wanted to put Jesus to death, so do many Christians nowadays hate anyone who believes in and preaches the gospel of the water and the spirit. We see many Christians not only rejecting the gospel of the water and the spirit, but are also trying to prevent this true gospel from being preached, just to defend their own denominational doctrines. So today, we see such adherents of misguided doctrinal positions of modern Christianity trying to ensure their own fleshly interests. Their purpose for believing in these unfounded Christian doctrines is to seek their own carnal gains. This is because they are lying to satisfy the lusts of their flesh. Just as Adam and Eve tried to hide their shame with fig leaves, these Christian sinners are also trying to hide their wickedness by relying on doctrines of their own making. They all can therefore be described as spiritual Pharisees. Even now, the believers in the gospel of the water and the spirit are trying to spread this true gospel all over the world, but there are many people trying to prevent them from proclaiming the gospel of the water and the spirit. Who are these people obstructing the gospel ministry? They are the Christian sinners who don't believe in the righteousness of God. For example, one of our co-workers in Ghana named Erica Bode once tried to preach the gospel of the water and the spirit in his church, but the pastor in this church and his wife prevented him from doing so. So brother Eric was deeply disappointed and he wondered if it was he alone in the whole country that knew and believed in the gospel of the water and the spirit. But despite this disappointing experience, this co-worker is still faithfully serving the gospel of the water and the spirit in Ghana. Like this, there actually are many detractors of the gospel of the water and the spirit in many Christian communities. 
Just as Jesus was deemed abhorrent in the Pharisees' eyes, today's believers and preachers of the gospel of the water and the spirit are also held in the same negative view by nominal Christians of this world. In other words, when these worldly Christians see us working hard to serve the gospel of the water and the spirit, they think there is something wrong with us. That's how we appear in their eyes. Such worldly pastors cannot actually keep the Sabbath day holy, but they still demand this from their congregation. Do we, the believers in the gospel of the water and the spirit, not keep the Sabbath day spiritually? What does it mean to keep the Sabbath day spiritually? For us to keep the Sabbath spiritually is to believe that the Lord has blotted out all our sins once and for all with the gospel of the water and the spirit. We believe that the Lord came to this earth to blot out all our sins, bore them all by being baptised by John the Baptist in the Jordan River and shed his blood on the cross in our place. And we also believe that by rising from the dead he has given us everlasting life. Like this, we believe that our perfect salvation and our perfect remission of sins have all been fulfilled to us. Our faith in the gospel of the water and the spirit is what brings rest to our hearts. It's by relying on this Lord-given rest that we are serving him. This is the fundamental meaning of observing the Sabbath day. However, many Christians think oddly of our faith. Is our faith in the gospel of the water and the spirit somehow wrong? No, this faith in the gospel truth of the water and the spirit is the authentic and genuine faith. It's by this faith that we keep the Sabbath day genuinely. That is, we observe the Sabbath spiritually by believing that the Lord bore all our sins once and for all by being baptised by John the Baptist, that he was crucified to death in our place, that he rose from the dead again and that he has thereby saved us perfectly from all our sins. Having thus made you and me sinless, the Lord has given rest and peace into our hearts and renewed our strength. He has, through this, made us God's own children. He has given us everlasting life. He has saved us so that we would never be condemned for our sins. And this faith in the gospel truth of the water and the spirit is what we must defend to observe the Sabbath day spiritually. The Lord has saved us from all our sins through the gospel of the water and the spirit. He has delivered us from all our sins and condemnation. For us to defend our faith in the God-given gospel of the water and the spirit is to keep the Sabbath day genuinely. In contrast, today's Christians think that it's more important to keep the Sabbath day by the letter rather than keeping it spiritually. Some of them insist that since God told them to rest on the Sabbath day, they must rest literally from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. Of course, it's not necessarily wrong to keep this day holy, but much more important is that the Sabbath day is kept spiritually and sincerely rather than literally and hypocritically. Let me illustrate my point with an example. If you are raising a cow, you have to feed it every day, including the Sabbath day, and this necessarily involves some work. 
In summertime, you could just let the cow out to graze in the field, but if it's winter or if there is a storm, you have to bring the cow back into the cow shed. Again, this involves work. The cow does not just come into the shed without any prodding on your part. Let me give you another example. If you want to eat on the Sabbath day, you have to cook. And if you happen to have some guests on this day and your refrigerator is empty, you have to go grocery shopping to prepare a decent meal for your guests. So how could you keep the Sabbath day literally? After all, you are not supposed to go anywhere on the Sabbath day. To travel anywhere, even to your grocery store, you have to either drive or walk. But if you do this, you will be breaking the letter of the law concerning the Sabbath day. For us to keep the Sabbath day formally and thoroughly, we would have to stay home and refrain from going out from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset. We would also have to prepare all our meals beforehand in preparation for the Sabbath day. After all, we are not supposed to do anything at all on this day. Some of you know that I used to be a strict adherent of the Sabbath day in the past. On one of those days, I went out fishing on the Sabbath day and my pants got ripped. So I needed to fix my pants, but I couldn't do this as I would then have broken the Sabbath day. But didn't I already break the Sabbath by going out fishing on that day? Yet I still didn't fix my ripped pants and wore them as it was. This, my fellow believers, is what a hypocrite does, just as the Lord said to such people, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Matthew chapter 23 verse 24. That is why Jesus called the hypocritical Pharisees and scribes of his days as whitewashed tombs. Such hypocrites are all white and clean on the outside, but inside they are all rotting away. In short, there is no one who can keep the Sabbath day literally. Jesus has given the spiritual Sabbath day to all of us who believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit. When Jesus was on this earth, he called on sinners and made them righteous. Through his baptism, the Lord himself bore all our sins on his body, shouldering the burden of all who labour and are heavy laden, from the burden of sin to the burden of the flesh and the burden of suffering. He was then condemned for our sins once and for all by being crucified to death, and having risen from this death, he has become our saviour. This is how the Lord has saved us. In this way, through the gospel of the water and the spirit, our Lord has made us God's children and given us everlasting life. He has not only freed us completely from all the sins that we have ever committed and will ever commit while living in this world, but he has also made it possible for us to enter and live in the kingdom of heaven forever, enjoying true rest and peace in all glory and splendour. This is the very faith of those who have found true rest. This is the real meaning of the Sabbath day. Now we are able to keep the Sabbath day genuinely by believing in the Lord's work of salvation that has delivered us from the sins of the world. Jesus had come to this earth to save everyone from sin. 
The man with the withered hand here in today's scripture passage represents the spiritual condition of every human being whose heart is sick and bound by sins and who is to perish for these sins. And it is precisely to deliver such sinners like us from all our destruction, death, diseases, curses and sins that the Lord had come to this earth. And having come to us for this purpose, the Lord has made us perfect and thereby enabled us to enter the kingdom of God. In short, it's to save us from all our sins that the Lord had come to this earth. Therefore, when we profess to believe in Jesus as our Saviour, we must first realise what Jesus has done for us, understand the purpose for which the Lord came looking for us and believe in the gospel of the water and the Spirit. All of us must have the correct understanding of the righteousness of Jesus and believe in this righteousness wholeheartedly. The problem, however, is that too many Christians do not believe in the complete work of salvation that Jesus had done on this earth to deliver every sinner, and instead they continue to dispute with us pointlessly and keep looking at us biased based on their own standards. Virtually all Christians throughout the whole world are following their own denomination's doctrines. They are essentially worshipping and serving these fallacious doctrines of their own making. Yet, even as they have gone astray like this, they are still trying to persecute those who believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit. Even though Jesus has blotted out all our sins with the gospel of the water and the spirit, these so-called mainstream Christians are persecuting anyone who preaches this true gospel. Just as the Pharisees here in today's scripture passage had slandered Jesus, so are today's spiritual Pharisees persecuting the true believers of this age and time. Such misguided Christians must repent from this sin and realise their error. In fact, today's Christians who still do not believe in the righteousness of Jesus are nothing more than religious practitioners, just like the Pharisees. Having made their own Christian doctrines, these religionists believe in the dogmas of their own making. That is why, just as the Pharisees had persecuted Jesus in his days, Christians nowadays are also persecuting the true believers in the gospel of the water and the spirit. But if these misguided Christians also want to be saved by believing in Jesus, if they really desire this, then they must realise just how wrong they are. They must recognise just how flawed their faith is. Even though they call themselves Christians, since they profess to believe in Jesus without knowing the gospel of the water and the spirit, their faith is completely mistaken. Such people will give up their faith in Jesus when they become either too prosperous or too deprived. They eventually won't even attend church anymore. They need Jesus only until they can ensure their own fleshly prosperity, find carnal comfort, become rich or gain worldly fame. Otherwise they will abandon the Lord to save their own necks. In other words, these nominal Christians will throw Jesus away like a pair of worn-out shoes once they reach their goals. Why is this so? It's because these people believe in Jesus only as a matter of religion, all according to their own thoughts. 
If, on the other hand, anyone believes truthfully that Jesus is the Son of God, the Saviour of humanity, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and the Messiah who has blotted out everyone's sins with the gospel of the water and the Spirit, then this person is someone who has met the Holy Lord. Therefore, it is only the believers in the gospel of the water and the spirit who can keep their genuine faith in God until the very end. It's from the moment people believe in the righteousness of God that they can follow the Lord and serve him sincerely, and it's from then on that they can reveal the glory of God and be blessed by him forever. In contrast, those who claim to be Christians only outwardly believe in Jesus just to become rich, gain fame, restore their health or any number of other selfish reasons. But when they do not reach their goals, they give up their faith in Jesus. Countless Christians all over the world are just like these nominal believers. When they first believe in Jesus, they believe in the half-baked gospel propagated by religionists. So, even though they all profess to believe in Jesus as their saviour, they are joyous and thank the Lord only when they become rich and powerful, but if they face any hardships, they end up renouncing their faith in Jesus. Why is this phenomenon so prevalent among today's Christians? It's because they do not know the righteousness of Jesus. Such disastrous consequences are brought about because these misguided Christians think that they are good Christians all on their own, even as they remain oblivious to the gospel truth of the water and the spirit that has saved every sinner to perfection. Why is Christianity in decline all across the world after a short revival? Why has the revival of Christianity been arrested to plummet like a falling stone everywhere in the world, from Europe to North America and Asia? Even though Christianity should flourish endlessly and forever, it is in a steep decline because too many Christians nowadays do not believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit. They think on their own that Jesus Christ is their saviour and profess to believe in him blindly without actually knowing the gospel of the water and the spirit and this is what's causing the decline of Christianity. In other words, Christianity is decaying because too many Christians believe in Jesus without understanding the righteousness of God. The same decline is evident here in Korea as well. In fact, Christianity is floundering all across the world. One extraordinary phenomenon, however, is the revival of Christianity in some South American countries, such as Brazil and Peru. In these countries, the Pentecostal church in particular is growing very fast. But the adherents of this denomination put all their faith in just one verse. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 3 John verse 2 These people claim that if you believe in Jesus, you will not only be saved from your sins, but also receive material blessings, be healed from whatever ails you and gain worldly power. But what do the charismatics do when they reach their goals? They end up abandoning Jesus. Many Western Christians have also forsaken Jesus. Countless churches in the Western world can barely keep themselves open with only a handful of aged believers attending.
Western Christians have forsaken the Lord because they have become materially prosperous. Of course, there still are some Christians in these parts of the world, but how many of them believe in Jesus sincerely? Most of them believe in the Lord only as a matter of religion. It's so much easier to preach the gospel of the water and the spirit to poor countries. In contrast, the established churches in the industrialised countries have already forsaken Jesus. This is why they are so unwilling to accept our gospel books, far less read them. And this explains why so few people in traditional Christian countries have received the remission of sins by believing in the gospel of the water and the spirit. It's all because they are now materially prosperous. When the United States was hit by the 9-11 terrorist attacks in 2001, many Americans visited our website looking for our books on the gospel of the water and the spirit, but this is now no longer true. The United States is often called the land of opportunity and it's such a prosperous country that most Americans can flourish if they just work hard enough. This is also true in Japan where everyone works so hard to make a decent living. There are at this time hardly any unemployed workers in Japan and its economic fundamentals are solid. People living in such rich countries have no intention to believe in Jesus who has come by the gospel of the water and the spirit. Why is this so? It's because they think they can flourish without God and the Christians in these countries believe that they have already received the remission of sins without relying on the righteousness of Jesus. South Korea used to be a very poor country just about a generation ago. Perhaps that's why so many Koreans came to believe in Jesus in those days. But now, not only has Korea accomplished democratisation, but its economy has grown so rapidly and so much that it has now become quite a prosperous country. This all-round prosperity is evident in the cars that people are driving and other material comforts they are enjoying. Of course, not everyone is rich, but the average living standard has skyrocketed in Korea. Such prosperity was unheard of just a few decades ago. In fact, even drinking coffee used to be a luxury that few Koreans could afford. It's not that long ago that I myself began to drink coffee, but nowadays many Koreans have turned into coffee connoisseurs to demand nothing but the best coffee regardless of its cost. Today, so many people are living in so much comfort that they are unwilling to attend church. They have forsaken Jesus, and the few who still profess to believe in Jesus do so only as a matter of religion for the sake of their own flesh, and therefore they have ultimately rejected the righteousness of Jesus. Since these nominal Christians claim to believe in Jesus without knowing the gospel of the water and the spirit, in the end they have forsaken Jesus. It's such people who hate those who believe in the righteousness of Jesus today. Some of these so-called traditional Christians have heard the gospel of the water and the spirit but they don't believe in this true gospel and instead hang on to their own religious faith. Not only this, but these misguided Christians are also trying to persecute us. All such self-professing Christians must abandon their false knowledge. They must throw away their mistaken knowledge. 
Anyone who claims to know all about Jesus without actually knowing the gospel of the water and the spirit is just lying. Among today's Christians, if anyone professes to believe in Jesus as his saviour, even as he is oblivious to the gospel of the water and the spirit, then this person's faith is all false. Even though such nominal Christians do believe in Jesus as their saviour, they do so blindly without any real understanding of him. And the gospel they believe in is not the true gospel. These Christians believe that Jesus was crucified to death for sinners like them. This is all true, but how can they wash away their sins by faith unless they also realise that Jesus accepted all their sins through John the Baptist? Before dying on the cross, Jesus had accepted all our sins once and for all by being baptised by John the Baptist. The Lord then carried all our sins to the cross, was crucified shedding his blood and died, rose from the dead again and has thereby saved us all. Like this, it is through the gospel of the water and the spirit that Jesus has saved us from the sins of the world, not just by being crucified. It's not to bear our sins that Jesus was crucified to death, but it's to pay off the wages of all our sins that he had already borne through his baptism. If your Christian life has been little more than a religious life, then you must cast aside everything you've known until now. You must throw it all away, even at this very moment. Christians all over the world must now cast aside their religious thoughts and beliefs. Only when you throw away such false knowledge can you understand the gospel of the water and the spirit, believe in it and thereby reach your salvation. As mentioned earlier, the disciples of Jesus had plucked the heads of grain and eaten it on the Sabbath day and some time after this, Jesus himself healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day. What is so wrong with this? We ought to preach the gospel and serve it regardless of when, even if it's the Lord's day or the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was given to us so that we would avoid wicked things and do good things. Yet do you still think that Jesus gave us the Sabbath day so that we would not work at all on this day? The Lord did not give us the Sabbath day to prevent us from working, but to teach us that he has blotted out all our sins. In other words, God gave us the Sabbath day so that we would defend our faith in the truth of salvation, that Christ Jesus has blotted out all our sins and saved us perfectly through the gospel of the water and the spirit. As the Lord has brought true salvation to us, he wants us to defend this salvation by faith and never lose it and that is why he has given us true rest implied in the institution of the Sabbath day. If we had not received the remission of sins, then there would have been no spiritual rest for us. Although some of us may not remember the exact date, there was a day in our past when you and I came to understand the gospel of the water and the spirit and believed in it, and from then on, the Sabbath day has been spiritually instilled in our hearts. Did God give the Sabbath day to us just so that we would keep a certain day holy by the letter? No, this is not the case.
My fellow believers, as the true Christians of this age and time, we all believe that Jesus came looking for us, took upon all our sins by being baptised, died on the cross and rose from the dead again. And since we believe in this gospel of the water and the spirit, we ought to not only thank the Lord for it, but also preach this true gospel all over the world. It's our undeniable duty to preach this gospel to the ends of the earth until the Lord's return. Whether it's the Sabbath day or the Lord's day, every day we must work ceaselessly and faithfully to spread the gospel of the water and the spirit. And this is what it means to do the Lord's good work. Just because we don't work at all on the Sabbath day to keep one of the Ten Commandments, this does not mean that we are doing something good. All who have been beholden by such mistaken knowledge must now cast aside everything they had known until they come to realise and believe in the gospel of the water and the spirit. Of course, all of us must believe that Jesus is God himself, the Son of God and our Saviour. But we must throw away such fallacious doctrines, claiming that we must be sanctified by our own pious deeds or live by the letter of the law. God has given us the law so that we would realise our sins. Through the law of God, therefore, we should realise first that we are depraved sinners in God's sight. We then should understand the righteousness of Jesus, believe in the Lord wholeheartedly and thus receive the remission of sins. And we must then work tirelessly to save all those who are still bound by sin, all the while glorifying God. Of course, it's very difficult to escape from false doctrines. Once people fall into these false doctrines, there is no way they can escape on their own, and that is precisely why they need our help. If you yourself have not been saved from the sins of the world yet, and you still yearn for this salvation with all your heart, and you really want to make your heart completely sinless, then you must escape from these false doctrines that you've been following to this day. You must believe that the Lord came to this earth for your sake, bore all your sins by being baptised by John the Baptist and was crucified to death in your place. And you must also believe that Jesus rose from the dead again, that he is alive even now and that he has become your saviour. In short, you must believe in every work of salvation that the Lord had done on this earth, trusting that he has blotted out all your sins with the water, the blood and the spirit. 1 John chapter 5 verses 6 to 8. Only then can you be saved. Only then can you become a child of God. Only then can you become God's worker. Only then can you be qualified to carry out the Lord's good work. And only then can you keep the Sabbath day genuinely. All the religious beliefs and practices that you have kept thus far must be cast aside. Of all the things that you have learned or experienced, everything wrong and everything that's not biblically assured must all be thrown away. You must abandon every half-truth that you've ever learned. The Lord told us to abide by what we have learned and been assured of. Just as the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14. You must also continue in the things which you have been assured of. 
How many wondrous lessons has the Lord taught us and how much assurance has he brought to us? We must keep all these lessons in mind with all the assurance of the Lord. In the not too distant future, our Lord will return and ask everyone professing to believe in him. I have given you the gospel of the water and the spirit so that you would reach salvation by faith. But tell me, do you believe in this gospel of the water and the spirit? Exactly how have I saved you? Do you know that I saved you by bearing all your sins through my baptism and being condemned for your sins on the cross? But many people will say to him, Lord, I believe that you have saved me by being crucified to death. The Lord will then declare to all such people, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Matthew chapter 7 verse 23 Even now, the Lord is saying to everyone, You must believe that I actually bore all your sins by being baptised by John the Baptist. If you otherwise don't believe in the truth of the water and the spirit that I have given you, but instead put all your faith just in my death on the cross, then your faith is nothing more than a religious belief. Such faith is not placed in the gospel of the water and the spirit that I have given you. So you must turn around and believe in this genuine gospel of the water and the spirit. Have you ever thought of the possibility that the word Pharisees in the Bible is actually referring to you? Have you never considered the possibility that despite professing to believe in Jesus, you yourself and other Christians all over the world are just like the Pharisees appearing here in today's scripture passage? If you don't accept the gospel of the water and the spirit, then you are the same as the Pharisees and the scribes shown here in the Bible and you will be cursed by God in the very same way. So I ask you to think carefully of this possibility and see for yourself whether or not the Lord has indeed saved you perfectly through the gospel of the water and the spirit. The Lord said clearly that unless one is born again through the gospel of the water and the spirit, this person can neither see the kingdom of God nor enter it, making it equally clear that this kingdom of God can be reached only if one is born again of water and the spirit. John chapter 3 verse 5. You must therefore return to the gospel of the water and the spirit and believe that the Lord has blotted out all your sins with this true gospel. You must grasp and believe in this Lord's love and his good work and thank God for them. And you must become such a true Christian who preaches this gospel faithfully and carries out the righteous work of God that saves other souls. If you really want to be a true believer, trusting in the righteousness of God rather than just a mere religious practitioner in God's sight, then you must first realise how the Lord has saved you through the gospel of the water and the spirit and then believe in this gospel with all your heart. Only then will you receive God's blessings as someone who believes in the genuine gospel of the water and the spirit. I give all my praise to the Lord for saving us from all our sins. Hallelujah.